You know, notwithstanding Amazon's manifest success as a business, from the inside, did you ever think they could be doing some of these personnel things better than that? Or was its very success sort of say, no, they're obviously doing it right? In some ways, I thought the success that they were doing it right. I mean, it is not a place, even at its best, it would not be a place for everyone. You need to be super comfortable with change and things moving fast and ambiguity. And it's really exhilarating. I mean, I got to work on things I never would have at more sane companies, you know, or companies with less money. But yeah, I mean, you would have to look around and think these people are so good, so brilliant. Um, You know, my coworkers are so talented. What if they weren't also fried and exhausted and desperate, like they could probably be even better. Mm. It just didn't seem sustainable. Hi, it's Todd Bishop, and I'm excited this week to welcome a guest host to the GeekWire podcast, Ross Reynolds, whose voice is well known in the Seattle region from his 34 years at KUOW the public radio station from which he retired in 2021. He's joined by a special guest for a behind-the-scenes look at work and life inside Amazon. This is GeekWire, and I'm Ross Reynolds, guest hosting this week. And my guest today is Christy Coulter. Christy Coulter's newish book is called Exit Interview, The Life and Death of My Ambitious Career. It's a memoir about what she learned in her 12 years as an executive at Amazon about work, gender bias, and herself. Exit Interview is Christie's second book. Her first, Nothing Good Can Come From This, is a collection of essays about quitting drinking. Thanks so much for joining us on GeekWare today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I really enjoy the book tremendously. I, I, was, I realized I don't, didn't know anyone from Amazon at the high level that you were, so uh, I've never been able to have this conversation, even though I've lived in Seattle for 30 years. So. Right. People don't talk either. Okay. It's not my fault. No, it's, not, it's certainly not entirely your fault. But like people from Amazon have been very closed-mouthed about the place. Why? Um, I think part of it is just general discretion. You know, okay. you don't want to spill, like tell how the algorithms work or something. Mm-hmm. But also I think there's a certain amount of fear. It's actually been interesting to me in the past three or four years to see things start to leak out of Amazon pretty routinely. Um, I don't remember ever hearing about a document leaking to the press in my 12 years there. Wow. It probably happened at some point. But now it seems to be like routinely, you know, mm. like video footage, documents, all kinds of stuff. Well, the impact of Amazon uh, is what drew you to want to work there. But you had a career before that. How? What got you to Amazon? Yeah, I had a really kind of nifty job at an early internet company called the All Music Guide, which was basically a database of every record on earth. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Still around. Um, Terrific place. But it was kind of cozy. I was living in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I had run out of runway in my career. It was just too small a place for me to go any further. And I was really tired of the winters. (laughs) Um, Weather has often been a motivating force for me. And I thought, you know, I'm going to have to leave here to go further in my career because Ann Arbor, it's a, it's a university town. There's just not the kind of stuff I was looking for. And so I applied to Amazon on a whim because my husband has family out here. And I thought, well, I'll get my resume polished. This won't go anywhere. You know, they called me within like two hours. I was here interviewing a few days later, less than a week later. And um, I recognized it as my chance to make a big change in my life. I was like 35 or about to turn 36 felt like I was 
stuck and I might, I might like life might be over, which seems hilarious now to think that at 35. But um, I was like, this is my chance. Let's do it. So how did the interview process at Amazon kind of clue you in to how working at Amazon was going to be like? And how did it not clue you in? Yeah, it was, you know, it's the now famous process where you talk to like, I think I talked to six or seven people. And I could tell right away that they were all focusing on a specific area. Um, But that wasn't as well known as it is now. But you know, they kind of got in there and they just they're all really nice, but they just start to drill you. I was used to much more casual interview situations where you're just sort of like, hey, and you talk. And this was real question and answer. So the intensity was immediately apparent, even yes. in the interview. Yeah. Yes. Even though everybody was really friendly. I also noticed right away, and this is in the book, that the physical setting was like hideous. Um, we were in Columbia Tower. There was a, a hole in the wall of the interview room. See, this was a revelation to me. You have this image of people working in tech or working there, and you think it's going to be all the catered meals, et cetera. Yeah, I thought so. so. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of disappointing in that way. Yeah, it was funny. I got up to the 18th floor, and it was was President's Day. So security at Columbia Tower had to badge me up because, like, they were like, oh, no one else is open but Amazon. And that was also a little bit of ding, ding, ding. There's a clue. And the only way I knew I had the right door was there was a – you know, a computer printout with the word Amazon on it. Like that was the sign. Wow. <laughs> Amazon in 2006, you know, you would expect them to have like a, a regular sign. Sure. So so I was like, okay. But I, I think the biggest tell was my last interview of the day was all about um, how would I determine the number of gas stations in America? And <laughs> I was utterly unprepared. I, the answer I gave, I eventually came up with some answer, but it was incredibly embarrassing. And I panicked. And now I know that most tech companies don't use those kinds of questions anymore because they don't really demonstrate a yeah. lot. But that was my first clue as to like, oh, Amazon's based on data and analytics and feeling like, I don't know if I have that those chops. Okay. You know? What were you hired to do, and what were your first impressions when you came here and walked in the door for those first days? Yeah, I was hired to run merchandising, so basically on-site marketing for um, the books and media stores, so for five different storefronts, and especially hired to make it a better job. Um, They had an incredibly outdated tool set. I mean, the tools were almost non-functional. They broke all the time. Um, People were really miserable. They had been hired as editors, and the job had then shifted to something where their opinions and their knowledge didn't matter. Um, It was more about just scheduling content. So that was sort of my job. And when I walked in, my first impression was just the chaos. Hmm. Um, I sort of expected Amazon to be kind of a well-oiled machine. And it was just so chaotic. What were the signatures of the chaos? Just people barely able to take five seconds to say hello to me. Um, Really no ramp up. I interviewed someone um, the day I arrived. They put me on an interview loop. (laughs) To hire someone else. (laughs) To hire someone else. I was like, don't, don't do that. Um, And I, you know, was like, okay, I'll go along with it. Um, You know, my, my first boss, um, who was a very nice guy, you know, had basically no time for me. I mean, I probably had I don't know, five or six one-on-ones with him in my first six months. So I was just like, just figure it out. And just basically, like, they give you a list of, you know, names of people to talk to, and you just do it. So I was 
on shuttle buses shuttling all over downtown Seattle trying to basically put together a jigsaw puzzle. Mm -hmm. But you were successful. I mean, you were there for a dozen years. Yeah. You moved up the ranks. Well, technically, I never moved up. I was okay. never promoted, which became a big sticking point for me. I, I came in as a level seven. Amazon has like 12 levels or something. And I stayed a level seven. Um, but I did get bigger and bigger jobs. Um, and I think it happened first because it was a small enough company that people could see, people, including people very high up, that I came in and just, you know, started to get it together. Like they could dump me in there and I was like, well, I'll figure out how to survive here because failing was not something I considered an option. And I think I just developed that reputation as someone who could just figure stuff out and deliver some results. And people would kind of tap me on the shoulder for various jobs. It also really helped that I came from a liberal arts background. Really? Why is that? Yeah. Uh, why did it help? Because yeah. Amazon needed someone who understood language and writing and voice. And they were never really going to hire for that because they at, certainly at the time didn't want to believe they needed it. But they did. And once I was there, it became apparent that I could I could help. I could help the site to have a voice again. I could help um, the merchandisers to actually write better. And so there were a few very smart executives there who were like, well, while she's here, let's let's use this. Christy Coulter is my guest. Her book is called Exit Interview, The Life and Death of My Ambitious Career. When we returned, she'll talk about stacked ranking at this company that denied doing stacked ranking. I wanted a career in IT, but I didn't know where to start. WGU makes it simple. Their accredited online degree programs cover all kinds of IT specialties, and they have valuable industry certifications built in at no extra cost. The payoff? Having those certs back up my degree makes me look even better to future employers. A nonprofit university that includes top industry certs in their programs? I choose WGU. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included. Hi, I'm Ross Reynolds, and you're listening to my interview with Christy Coulter. Her book is called Exit Interview, The Life and Death of My Ambitious Career. So what was the most difficult thing about working at Amazon? What was the biggest challenge for you? And, and was it the same challenge for everyone there, do you think, or was it particular to you? Yeah, it's, it's just a really punitive environment. It's a culture where there's not really much of a thank you. Um, you are basically always focused on what you could have done better to the exclusion of, of what went well. Um, it is, it's really, the culture kind of runs on fear. Um, everyone I knew at Amazon was like some level of afraid from paralyzingly afraid to just a little bit low level. Like I've learned to live with this afraid, but it's, it's a, it's brutal in that way. Is that a good thing in some ways? I mean, is it to be a little bit on edge? I, I think to be a little bit on edge is fine. Yes. Um, and it's, you know, and feel like you're taking risks and things, but there's a point where, well, there's a famous, in, in one of the articles on Amazon, someone said it's where overachievers go to feel bad about themselves, <laughs> which I was like, yes, indeed. And I think that it gets to a point where you're just grinding people down. And I don't actually know that people do their best work when they're feeling really afraid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're just thinking about survival then. 
Well, you write about stacked ranking, and that's something that would make you really afraid for people not familiar with it. They basically rank everybody in the department, and the bottom 10% get fired. That's end of story. Yeah. And I understand Amazon has denied doing this, but in your book, you say they totally did this, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I was reading an article, and they denied ever having done stack ranking. And I was just stunned because I participated in that exercise three or four times in my career there. And yeah, you get in and you rank everyone and that bottom 10%, um, they're not fired like right then, but it's they get a very a strong message as we would put it back then that they needed to improve. And some of those people really did. There were people where you were like, oh yeah, this person's probably got to go. But there were also people who ended up in that 10% just because they were solid, but you know, more limited in what they could go on to do. And at some point, throwing those people out is just really self-defeating mm. because not everybody needs to be, you know, the quarterback. <laughs> not everybody needs to be a rock star. You also need people who are just not trying to take over the world, but who are really good good at their jobs. You know, you, you talk about the lack of appreciation, but you also talk about some incidents where people said things to you in meetings that mm -hmm. were devastating to you. Could you oh, talk yeah. a little bit about those experiences? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the worst experience I had in a meeting was I had sold a pretty ambitious plan to transform the merchandising role to the VPs and senior VP Jeff Wilkie in North America. They were very enthusiastic about it. And I went to the international VP to get his buy-in, and he read the doc, you know, the famous thing where people sit in a room and read the doc really fast. He read it too fast. And I thought, ooh, this is either really good or really bad. And I said, so, you know, any feedback? And he said, um, yes, it's stupid. Just full stop. And I was like, okay. Uh, you know, and you have the script. Oh, can, can you tell me something more specific about that? And it's just stupid. And, you know, so I'm like... Where do you go with that? Yeah, what do, you do, what do you do with that? I mean, an executive's biggest... One of their biggest roles is to teach. Mm -hmm. And I teach. That, that's not how you teach someone. And eventually, he actually denied that the other VPs could have possibly read it. Like, he basically said, Jeff, Jeff Wilkie, you know, junior only to Jeff Bezos. Oh, he didn't read it. He just said he did. Because if he'd read it, he would think it was stupid, too. And at this Not point, only saying it's stupid, he thinks it's stupid. Yeah, people who haven't read it would think it was stupid. He said this whole room full of like alpha males who you know are not exactly like used to coddling anyone. They all must have been lying, and um, and then he said I was stupid, and that was really when I was just like okay, like I was ready. I was like, do I throw down or do yeah. I cry? Like what do I do? And I just tried to you know just get out of the room without crying, basically, mm -hmm. which is very difficult. And um, but yeah, that was probably the worst. It was a direct attack on me, and and even worse, it was this grown man with immense power and knowledge just throwing a tantrum. I'm a big fan of this podcast called Battle Tactics for Your Sexist Workplace. <laughs> and I was, as I was reading your book, I was thinking about that. Would that executive have said that to a man? Probably, honestly. Yeah. Maybe worse. I mean, there were not most people I worked with at Amazon were at least on the surface respectful, but there were a few folks who, you know, it's funny. I had a conversation with a friend, an ex Amazon friend yesterday, who said this same guy once yelled at her on a conference call for two hours. Um, I haven't heard the same stories about him treating men that way, hmm. but men men got treated pretty badly at Amazon too. 
I mean, was that ever an issue where you thought, I need to raise this gender bias issue? Who would you have told? I mean, it was just part of it is that Amazon is so intent or the system is so intent on having you blame yourself for Mm. all of your problems that I thought, oh, it's just me. If I were a different kind of woman, I could handle this better. I'd I'd rise above. Um, Also, as a Gen Xer, that's how I was raised. You know, like nothing can stop you but yourself, which is is not really true, it turns out. Um, But also there was such a denial of any gender bias at Amazon. People were not even willing to entertain the idea. Um, It would have been kind of suicidal to Mm. make a big deal out of it. There's just been a class action suit against Amazon for gender issues. What's your comment on that, since your book delves into that quite a bit? Yeah, it's been interesting. The suit is um, about huge pay gaps between uh, women in one or part of the organization and a man who was uh, like at their level, but making $150,000 more a year um, for the same job. Amazon's comp, like a lot of tech companies comp is really complicated. Um, No pun intended. Um, It's you know, when you started really affects your base and the stock and blah, blah, blah. I suspect that it could turn out that there's like a non-sexist explanation for the pure comp issues. Not that that makes it right, but the women were classified as like marketing project managers and the man was classified as a research scientist, Hmm. despite the fact that they all were research scientists. Hmm. And I think that's really interesting. That drove a lot of the pay difference. And the most interesting thing about the suit is that there was direct retaliation when the women reported it. Um, They went to HR looking for explanations. And they were, one woman who was up for promotion was told that because she had complained, they didn't feel she was ready for promotion anymore. Um, That is, that's the big thing for me. It's Todd jumping in with a minor clarification. The specific allegation in the suit is that the male counterpart at Amazon was paid 150% more than a woman doing the same job under a different job code. Amazon has denied the allegations in the suit and said it doesn't tolerate workplace discrimination. You can see the related post on GeekWire for a link to the full text of the lawsuit. Did you experience that? Was your job description different than men's job descriptions who were getting paid more than you? It's always hard to know because you're not supposed to talk about comp, but I did have a time when um, a man who reported to me was making like $60,000 more than I was, um, despite being a level lower than I was. And I was like, well, this this is odd. Um, And I went to HR and just said, what's going on? And nobody was ever able to give me an explanation. And they were like, well, it could be a lot of things. And they also made me feel a little bit like gauche for asking, you know, there's this sort of sense of like, well, I mean, if you want to keep trying to find out, you can, but. uh, Can you be a party to the class action suit, even though you don't work there anymore? No, I am. It's, it's like women, it's just three women right now, but they want it to cover all women from like 2016 to 20 or something in certain jobs. Um, I don't think I would be a party to it, but it's, I think it could be a nice forcing function if, I mean, who knows what will happen, to bring some of this stuff out in the light. There was also some data in it about the man and the man who managed all these women, like taking women's names off of documents he was presenting, even though they he had they had written the documents or co-written them. Just some really 
bad stuff. If approached by an attorney, would you join a lawsuit like this? Do you think you have the goods? Hmm. I mean, I would certainly talk to the attorney. I, I've never felt like anything that happened to me at Amazon rose to like call a lawyer level, you know. Um, but if there was, I mean, if there was a class action and I could benefit from it, um, I mean, I'd have to take that phone call, right? <laughs> you were in meetings with Jeff Bezos. Uh-huh. What was that like? <laughs> Scary. <laughs> Jeff, in my experience, one-on-one, it was really cool. I actually really liked him. He's funny. He's very engaged. He almost did every meeting I'd come out with. He'd say something that would make me go like, oh, my God, like something revelatory that I would remember. But it's frightening because he's so powerful um, to be in the room with somebody who's the wealthiest man in the world, or he was like second or third at the time, um, was really, really terrifying to me. Um, and I could never quite get past that. It was very hard to just see him as a person, hmm. um, even though he's actually quite personable. You know, notwithstanding Amazon's manifest success as a business, from the inside, did you ever think they could be doing some of these personnel things better than that? that or was its very success sort of say, no, they're obviously doing it right? In some ways, I thought the success that they were doing it right. I mean, yeah. it is not a place, even at its best, it would not be a place for everyone. You need to be super comfortable with change and things moving fast and ambiguity. And it's really exhilarating. I mean, I got to work on things I never would have at more sane companies, you know, or companies with less money. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, I mean, you would have to look around and think, these people are so good, so brilliant. Um, You know, my coworkers are so talented. What if they weren't also fried and exhausted and desperate? Like, they could probably be even better. Mm. And it just didn't seem sustainable. Yeah, but how do you do both, I guess? Yeah, Mm. I don't know that you do. I mean, I think that it's interesting seeing the way the struggles Amazon's having now, part of me thinks, you know, have they hit some sort of wall? I mean, I I got to a point where women locally, especially would tell me, um, yeah, I just won't take their phone call. I won't, I won't interview at Amazon. Like the reputation was so bad that people were, it was pushing talent away. And that's anecdotal, of course. Mm -hmm. I'm sure lots of people would be happy to work there. But I remember thinking like, that's not good when your rep is so bad that like talented people just are writing you off because there's a lot of a lot of interesting things about working there. I mean, notwithstanding your core skills, you write that success at Amazon wasn't necessarily having these core skills. It was figuring out how to work the Amazon system, how to get yes. the programmers to do what you needed them to do. Yeah, I, one reason I was able to move around a lot and actually have really a few different careers at Amazon, was because people would openly say, well, I'm not so worried that you don't know how the publishing business works. You know how Amazon works, and you could figure out the publishing business. And it's true. It was true. And when I talk to young people now, I always say, you know, don't underestimate like your transferable skills, (laughs) like knowing how to meet people and ask questions and think critically, like they're really valuable. Um, But yeah, just it would take someone else, you know, six months to figure out how Amazon works. Uh, It took me at least six months. And so we always wanted to hire from within. Um, People would get frightened about hiring from outside because the ramp up time would always be longer than we thought we could afford because that's just how humans work. Amazon is so massive. And that really came through to me in a section of the book where you 
You read news accounts, these famous accounts of workers at an Amazon fulfillment center being taken out in ambulances because the temperatures were over 100 degrees. And part of your reaction was, oh, yeah, that's the company I work for. Yeah, yeah. That was Spencer Soper's. Um, He's here in Seattle now, but he wrote that in, in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I was like, oh, right, we have warehouses. Because I moved away from the retail business fairly early on. And I was over in Amazon Publishing, or I think that's where I was. And and just like, right, we mail things to people. You can just order stuff. And it was kind of shocking to realize how quickly something like that could just fall out of my view. But it did. And then it did again. You went there because you were ambitious to do something big. Uh, Mm -hmm. By the time you left, did you accomplish what you set out to do? I worked on things I never would have dreamed of. I think in some ways I did accomplish what I set out to do. But I was the kind of person who got promoted like clockwork um, my entire life. You know, I was just that kind of girl. (laughs) I'm going to do the extra credit and get promoted. And I never got the big promotion that was dangled in front of me for 12 years. I mean, I think I had like seven or eight conversations with different bosses that were like, you're a year away. Um, And so by that one external metric of success, I left feeling like a failure. Mm -hmm. I was like 12 years, like these people... No one could manage to get me promoted. Um, and it honestly still kind of bugs me. <laughs> so that you internalized that. You thought to yourself, that must be my fault that I didn't get the promotion. I, I definitely thought so for a while. Yeah. And then at some point, I, I was like, these people don't have their act together. I mean, nobody could give me the same story. I had one VP tell me I, I had a whole document with like what I thought I needed to do to get promoted. And I wanted his feedback. And he said, just change the world. Just change the world and you'll you'll get promoted. Just change the yeah, world. I was like, oh, thanks, dude. That's great. And and it was like he wasn't even trying to have a serious conversation with me. And so I got to a point where I was like, these people don't understand what they're what they're t- what they're doing, what mm-hmm. they're talking about. I stopped blaming myself a bit then. I'm Ross Reynolds, and you're listening to my interview with Christy Coulter. Coming up, a definition of frappidity. I'm speaking with Christy Coulter, author of Exit Interview, The Life and Death of My Ambitious Career. I'm Ross Reynolds. I'm sure people ask you, uh, should I go to work at Amazon? Mm -hmm. What do you tell them? I usually tell them, I'm like, it depends. (laughs) Um, I don't tell people, no, just run screaming. But I think you want to be very specific and clear about what you want out of the experience. Um, You want to probably go in with an exit strategy. Like maybe if you're young in your career, you go in and you say, I'm going to stay for three years and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and then I'm going to go. Um, and you have to remember that it's going to be rough and that no one is really going to care about you. I mean, your coworkers and your boss, lots of wonderful people work there, but the system of Amazon really doesn't care if you are a well person or not. Um, and it will absolutely spit you out. You know, since you started, Amazon has all these brand new buildings in downtown Seattle. Yeah. So has the catering improved? Have the sort of those elements that were so starkly not there when you right. arrived, did they change over the years? A little bit. There there are cafeterias now. Um, you know, I was in Columbia Tower with the food, that weird food court. <laughs> and um, but there's no gym. Like the, the basic corporate amenities, we had we had bike cages and eventually we had some locker rooms because ooh. of bike cages. Yeah, like, woo. I mean, there weren't rooms for nursing mothers when I got there. There was, like, bathroom, <laughs> you know. Wow. Um, Were there it, by the time you left? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was that austere. But, no, I was at a coffee shop somewhere, and I heard a guy 
running a startup talking to um, an employee and he was trying to give her a pep talk and he was like, you know, this is an Amazon. I'm not going to be able to give you the free mo- meals and the free haircuts and the massages, and but it's going to be fine. And oh. I was thinking, wait, he's he's got the wrong idea about Amazon. <laughs> you know, it's not Google. So um, the main perk for employees was you could get $100 off the website per year. If you went into the the people, the HR tool and found this code in January, nobody would email you to remind you. They wouldn't send it to you. It was basically like, if you remembered, you could get that $100 off. Was that a conversation among employees there? Boy, they're kind of cheap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at some point... Uh, so we had a leadership principle of frugality, which mm-hmm. is that you want to be, you know, frugal with money, which sure. makes sense. Good idea. But um, at some point, people, someone made a Wikipedia page called Frupidity mm-hmm. for the the merger of frugal and stupid. Um, there were things like people being expected to fly to India multiple times a year, you know, in coach and go straight to the office when they got off the plane. Um, I had a computer that was taking like seven minutes to boot up. And they didn't want to give me a new one because it wasn't quite at the end of its four-year life cycle. Um, Things got really kind of stupid. (laughs) Your first book, Nothing Good Can Come From This, essays about quitting drinking. Mm -hmm. Your second book, Exit Interview, My Life and Death of My Ambitious Career. Are those two things related, the the drinking issues and working at Amazon? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Amazon did not make me an alcoholic. I was probably destined to be an alcoholic from a very early age. But I certainly was drinking more and more to just cope with the stress of the day. It was the only way I could forget every mistake I had made that day or every perceived mistake. And it really, really ramped up. And it was, I actually ended up doing like an A-B test because I quit drinking halfway through my Amazon career. And I wasn't sure I'd be able to stay and stay sober, but I did. You know, I stayed another five or six years and it's doable, but I really had to put up boundaries and develop a spine in a way that I had not had to as a drinker when I could just go home and drink it away. Um, So I had to change as a person and not everybody liked um, Christy with a backbone. That shows enormous strength, not only to be able to overcome this difficult workplace, but mm-hmm. to be over overcome alcoholism, which is a disease. I didn't want to die. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I was either going to die young or I was just going to not. Um, my life was getting smaller and smaller. It was just Amazon and then drinking to get over Amazon. And I had enough, I don't know, vision to see that there had to be a better way. So have you gotten any comments from former colleagues at Amazon about exit interview? And a what, flood, yeah. a flood of them. I have heard from so many people in uh, Amazon uh, you know, offices around the world, uh, women especially saying, like, thank you for telling my story. Um, but a lot of men, too, which surprised me um, because the, the book has such a gender inflection. Men saying either, except for the gender part, you were telling my story or... Right. Um, Thank you for, you know, there's a lot in the book about the sexism as a lot of unconscious bias. It's not a place where men are just like, well, women are dumb. Um, they don't they don't know that they're sexist. Hmm. And Could so, you give an example of that? Like, what, yeah. what is something that they, was obviously they're just clueless? Uh, well, you know, the, the, 
the leadership at that level, so at my level, it was 20% women and 80% men. Um, Amazon at entry level is about 50-50 split. And then women just vanish. Mm. You get into management, women are gone. At By the time, for most of the time I was there, there was no woman reporting directly to Jeff on the S team. Um, you know, and, the and then S- I th- The S team is, for those who don't oh, know. Oh, yes. The S team is basically Jeff's direct reports. Okay. It's the very top level of leadership. Mm. Um but whenever this would come up, men would just be like, well, I guess women just, they just don't want these jobs. Like, really? Or women have different priorities or, um, and they just couldn't, I was like, really? Like that it's 80% male as you go up the ranks. And and a lot of it would come around to like, well, you know, women have children. But I was like, but I don't have, in fact, a lot of women I knew at Amazon did not have children because like, if you wanted to rise, you it was much easier not to have children. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just, I think that men were falling victim to this thing that men do sometimes. And that I see white people fall victim to also, which is thinking it was their personal fault if an environment had like structural sexism. Mm-hmm. You know, so they weren't able to step back and be like, this is weird. You know, like Amazon had no company daycare. That was something women talked about a lot. And I rarely heard men talk about it. And if men had talked about it, maybe something would have changed because they had the power. Um, but it was just kind of like, well, women women don't want these jobs. Um, I heard many times, oh, women are too smart to want these jobs. Like, oh, yeah, we're just passing on the power and the money and the leverage. Sure, we're just too smart for that. Um, and so it's frustrating because when you can't name a problem, you know, you can't talk about it at all. So a lot of men wrote to me saying, um, thank you for like showing me what I just, yeah, absolutely was not seeing. Um, I was just convinced that this is just the way that <laughs> nature made it. You know, clearly it's supposed to be mostly men for a reason. And that was great to see men be like, oh, right, this is not normal. I've also had women tell me that the book is being Past physical copies of the book are being passed around Amazon from woman to woman, and they're writing notes and inscriptions to each other. Wow! And that sent chills down my spine. It's like, it's like a new little whisper network for women, you know, like a yearbook or something. Have you got to do any readings here in Seattle and have those people show you those books for the annotations? I've seen a couple of photos of one of those, okay. um, but yeah, I have people. I have women come up to me at events in Seattle. And within a minute, they're crying. Like, they just walk up and just start sobbing. Oh, my. Um, and it's it's heartbreaking. I mean, it's wonderful because they're crying because they feel like the book showed them themselves. But there's, I feel like there's a lot of people in pain out there mm-hmm. in tech. Your book is called Exit Interview. Mm-hmm. Is this instead of a real exit? Did you get an exit interview at, at Amazon? Did no, you get to I didn't. this? Okay. I did not. Um, exit, Amazon, you know, it's a huge company. Um, a lot of people just get this form to fill out. But some people do get in-person exit interviews. And as someone who'd been there for 12 years, I was in the 98th percentile for tenure. And one of few women at my level, I kind of thought, well, someone's going to want to talk to me. And, and I was leaving on good terms. And I, I got the form instead. And I was kind of stunned, but I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do this. And we had a tech glitch um, when I was submitting the form, which I had taken two hours to fill out, and it was lost to the ether. <laughs> and I just was like, it, it was, I laughed because it was kind of perfect. I was like, of course, now I'm going to leave and still my voice will not be heard. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 
I mean, I'm not, I could be glib and say I wrote this book because I did not get an exit interview, but um, I, I mean, there was something to that. I was like, I have things to say about my experience here and um, I am going to say them somehow. Just a personal question, uh-huh. uh, because you worked at Amazon for 12 years, do you never have to work again? Oh, my God, I wish. No, 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 no. Not that good. <laughs> yeah. I was very well paid at Amazon. I mean, it's the, the pay was great. And I was there at a time when the stock was kind of going insane. Um, no, it bought me some ramp. I mean, Amazon paid for me to write this book, essentially. But um, no, I, I do need to work, um, <laughs> you know, sadly. But I like to work also. That's great. Yeah. Christy Coulter, thank you so much for stopping by. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. The name of the book is Exit Interview, The Life and Death of My Ambitious Career. It's a great read and some terrific insight into that company and how it works for men and for women. Thanks to Ross Reynolds for a great conversation with Christy Coulter. See the show notes and the related post on geekwire.com for related links and headlines. This week's episode was edited by Ross Reynolds. Production assistance from Kurt Milton. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. We'll be back soon with a new episode of the GeekWire podcast.